0: Welcome to the Progress Your Health Podcast with your hosts, Dr. Robert Mackey and Dr. Valerie Davidson, a husband and wife team who specialize in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and functional medicine. They're here to help you lose weight, balance hormones, and age gracefully. It's their mission to motivate, educate, and empower you to take your health to the next level. And now your hosts, hormone experts, Dr. Mackey and Dr. Davidson. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Progressive Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Mackey.
1: And I'm Dr. Davidson.
0: Uh, So, as usual, we have another question that we're going to dive into. Uh, So, uh, uh, Dr. Davidson, why don't you go ahead and read it?
1: Sure. No, this is a great question. It's about um, vaginal atrophy or vaginal dryness post-menopause. So, this question is from Mary. Now, granted, we change everyone's name for privacy, but we named her Mary. So, her question is, hi there. Can you stay on vaginal estriol, the same dose, twice a week with no break. I've heard ladies in their 70s just stay forever on this dose. I am postmenopausal in my 50s, went through early menopause. I have bad vaginal atrophy and want to stay well now that it's better.
0: Yeah, so really simple question, but there's some, uh, you know, there's some nuances to that. Uh, one of our number one rules for hormone replacement, now, what she doesn't say there, which we're assuming she has a uterus, which is why she's asking the question. So we're just going to assume, which is what we do on these questions just because it's limited information, but we're assuming she still has a uterus. Uh, now, um, our number one rule for hormone replacement is you never give a woman, especially with a uterus, but you never give her unopposed estrogen, meaning estrogen without progesterone. But this situation is a little bit of a, a sort of an exception to the rules sometimes.
1: Exactly. So in the body, we make three types of estrogens. Technically, there's estrone E1, which we make a lot of as a teenager, um, puberty, that kind of thing. Don't really make so much um, getting older. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you do make a lot of estrone from fat tissue. Um, fat cells can produce their own estrone, But for the most part, we don't, really make much estrone and we don't dose with estrone. And then there's E2, which is estradiol, which is the strongest form of estrogen. That's pretty much more commonplace for hormone replacement. And then there is E3, estriol, which is what Mary's talking about here. And estriol would be considered the most gentle of the estrogens. So when Dr. Mackey was talking about not doing unopposed estrogen, it really comes down to more of an estradiol. So if someone has a uterus, they're taking any kind of estradiol, they want to take progesterone to protect that uterine lining. So it's probably what Mary's asking here is sounds like she's probably has a uterus. She went through menopause, um, sounds like in her early fifties or maybe late forties and she started getting that uh, vaginal atrophy or where the cells, uh, basically your vaginal cells are considered parabasal cells. Those are immature vaginal cells. And when they're exposed to any kind of form of estrogen, they grow up into up um, Vaginal cells. So she's probably having a lot of parabasal cells, which creates limited lubrication, pain with intercourse, dryness. And then now she's on the estriol, so it's helped her. She wants to know hey, it's helped. Can I just keep taking it?
0: Yeah, right. So, uh, of course, disclaimer, right? We're not giving Mary any particular direct advice, um, but what we answer on this podcast all the time are, you know, um, you know, based on our own experience and what we do with our own patients. Uh, you know, so, uh, again, just throwing that disclaimer out there because she is applying it vaginally. There is some potential for a woman that has her uterus for that to, you know, not be such a great idea. Okay. Now in our experience, uh, in a situation like that, can she just stay on the same dose forever? Uh, I would say maybe,
1: I would say, you know, Estriol is very gentle when you apply it vaginally. It, like I said, it does mature those vaginal cells. So it helps with that atrophy, the lubrication, the dryness that it's not going to have, you don't normally notice so much an effect in the uterine lining with Estriol like you would with Estradiol E2. So I do think we don't know what her dose is, but I use Estriol with women postmenopausally vaginally. All the time, and really, I I feel it's it's quite safe.
0: Yeah, right. Uh, and I'm and and I know that it is. And I'm just kind of being contrary, kind of throwing that little bit of a little bit of not hesitation, but cautiousness out there. Now, you know as well as I do, a woman's body is sort of if the estral was not good for her, meaning that she was having some bleeding or spotting, that's sort of a clue of what you need to know. So either she goes on some progesterone at the same time, which is always a safe plan to do. Especially if she's having some sleep trouble or something else, uh, you can easily pa- <clears throat> pair a an oral progesterone with the with the vaginal estriol. Um, but I agree with you. You know, we, she doesn't tell us her dose, but we can assume her dose is anywhere from a half a milligram uh, up to maybe two or three milligrams. I would assume,
1: or even a little higher. Not to make it more complicated. Now she's only doing it twice a week. Usually, if someone comes in and they have quite a bit of atrophy, you may do it every night for about five to seven days, and thereafter you can dial it back to twice a week, once a week, as long as the vaginal tissues are feeling lubricated. On a little side note about what Dr. Mackey was talking about with the dosing, there is quite a few women that I use, and I know Dr. Mackey does too, is you actually kind of, you can, the estriol helps with the vaginal um, flora, it helps with the, the lubrication, but I have noticed it can really help with um, some women's incontinence. You know, as we get older, that urethra gets a little lax and you know, you're not doing jumping jacks and you might have a little leakage or laughing. I've had that estriol do quite a great effect with that. But now when you're working on that on that incontinence, you actually have to do the estriol pretty pretty good dose, like around five to ten milligrams.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, every, you know, you always hear the, as a woman is transitioning from perimenopause into menopause, every time they laugh, they sneeze, they step off a curb, they're exercising, uh, you know, there's going to be, you know, it's becomes a, a fairly uh, common problem. Uh, but that would be under the supervision of a, uh, of a qualified, uh, you know, practitioner that would be guiding someone through that. Mm-hmm. Uh, therefore, the dose can change. But you're right, you start out maybe a little more frequency in the beginning, just to kind of help those parabasal cells you're talking about. And then eventually a woman with that dose range of a half a milligram to two or three milligrams, we usually do two milligrams, uh, two milligrams per half a gram. Uh, You know, so that's, that eventually they, their frequency is going to be, usually we tell them about one to three days a week.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I just, little side note is years ago, I remember I had a, a patient and she was, talking about her mom you know when you get older you, um especially with with um older individuals getting a urinary tract infection is very common in women with atrophy so her mom was in her 80s um like in a, um like a one of those assisted living uh, memory memory type assisted living and she was telling me her mom's getting these urinary tract infections all the time and in that age group you know when they're in their 80s sometimes a urinary tract infection doesn't m- manifest the symptoms like it would be in a typical, like, oh, I got frequency, I got urgency, I've got some pain, especially at the end of urination. They actually start to ha- act a little bit like their mood. They get angry, they have um, outbursts. They act very different when you see, you know, with a certain population, especially an older population with those urinary tract infections. So it was very scary for, you know, for my patient, you know, having to deal with her her mom and then the people in the facility having to deal with her. And I just mentioned, you know, just have her doctor do a little estriol. You know, she applies it vaginally. You can help her with it. It's only you only put it on like one one to three times a week, depending on it. And she um, was so grateful later. You know, she had told me that it really. It, she never. Her mom never had a urinary tract infection again in her life, and it's been years. So she's you know passed since um, has since passed, but she never had another urinary tract infection. It was really. Quite amazing, and so I do think that you know, in in terms of like quality of life, you know, estriol has a big impact.
0: Oh yeah, well, I mean, uh, those issues, uh, you know, I, of course, I'm, you know, I'm a man. Women don't usually want to talk about that too much. I mean, they, a lot of them certainly do, and it comes up all the time, uh, and it's amazing and how ill-prepared conventionally these situations are. Estriol, there is no, and this is sort of where it gets kind of lost sometimes, there is no commercial prescriptions for estriol. You can only get estriol from a compounding pharmacy. Uh, So gynecologists and even a primary care doctor, they just don't really understand or have any options for that. And again, none of, one of our rules, this is, you know, Not a hard and fast rule, but um, one that we usually follow is we don't prescribe estradiol from what you were talking about earlier. We don't prescribe that vaginally because that could increase, uh, you know, have a negative impact on the uterus and, and actually promote more bleeding or spotting, which is what we don't want.
1: Yeah, exactly. So estradiol, like I said, E2 is the strongest form of estrogen that it does have an effect um, when you put it vaginally that it causes the uterine lining to get thick. I mean, right away, right away, if you don't have that progesterone to offset that. So, and even with women that were doing hormone replacement and they're taking progesterone, I still don't let them put the estradiol on their vaginal tissues. Estriol is perfect enough to help with vaginal atrophy. We can, you know, work with that, but I really, you know, that estradiol, because it Because I've had some women that were taking some commercial estradiol um, vaginally, and when I do their blood work, their estradiol levels are astronomical because those mucous membranes with that estradiol being so strong, it just jumps right into the bloodstream, and then it's not you know, working localized where the estriol, we want it to work just on the vaginal tissues. We don't necessarily want it to go into the bloodstream where the estradiol, you have a really hard time to keep that from happening.
0: Yeah, if you look at, you know, PubMed, you know, which is the database for all the research, uh, because I know we talked about this a long time ago and someone made a comment about uh, estriol still gets absorbed vaginally into the blood system, which of course it does. You're applying it to the mucous membrane. Of course, there's going to be some that ends up in your blood. Um, But when you look at their blood work over time, Uh, the blood levels never change. Uh, They just never change. Even uh, we're using a systemic dose and that's all another one of our rules. Today is the day of rules. Uh, You know, we don't chase the numbers, right? We are more concerned about uh, the patient's subjective response. And like you're talking about the quality of life as opposed to trying to no matter what, get the blood levels to a certain number. Uh, because I just think you're, in, in a lot of cases, if you're doing that, you tend to over-prescribe uh, the dosage and then potentially create some problems that way. So uh, in this context, uh, certainly uh, in some ways, the lower the dose, the better, uh, because this, would, this issue... Keeping a woman safe in this context, and what we're really keeping them safe from—literally, which is never fun to talk about—but being realistic is literally uterine cancer. Okay, that when it comes to hormone replacement, if there is a risk of any type of cancer, it's not really breast cancer. That's not you know that's not really the concern, even though that uh, there's an implication that there is, um, but really it's uh, it's uterine cancer, and that's what we are trying to protect them against give them give them the symptom relief that they want whether it's hot flashes or in this case some vaginal symptoms um, but making sure that they stay safe over the long uh, over the long term at the same time
1: which like you said you know having a practitioner monitor you and you come in and see your practitioner and they do some blood work they check maybe do a transvaginal ultrasound to check the lining of that uterus to make sure it's staying nice and thin you know you're going to be in a you know really good position i think it's when that you're you know, when some people are just kind of going rogue and you can find Estriol products online. So even though Dr. Mackey said you can only find it at a compounding pharmacy, sure, you can get it at the compounding pharmacy. You know exactly what base it is. You know exactly what dose it is. You know exactly how to take it, where it can be found over the counter, at least, um, you know, in this country. I know in other countries, because Our podcast is so cool that we have listeners all over the world that they can go down to their chemist or their pharmacist, you know, um, down the street and be able to pick it up without a prescription. I know that there's um, certain, you know, countries that allow that, but you can in this country, in the U.S., you can find it online. You just have to be careful because you don't, like I said, you don't want to go
0: rogue. Yeah, and if you know, to be honest, we use supplements with our patients all the time. Uh, we have a supplement store that we um, ship out supplements to you know to our patients, uh, you know, all over the country. So, so we're not we're not opposed to supplementation. Um, however, when it comes to hormones uh, and it's getting, being, I'm not even really sure how that's possible for some of those supplement companies to do that. I don't think they should be allowed to do that, to be perfectly honest, because you're using a hormone. Uh, and in this context, if you did pull something off of Amazon or something that did have a hormone in there uh, and you're using it vaginally, um, that couldn't, you know, you have no idea the dosing, there's no regulation of that of that particular product. Um, you know, it says that it might be a certain milligram amount per you know uh, per serving size, but you really have no idea. Uh, that seems like playing a little bit of Russian roulette, a little bit, um, you know, to just uh, kind of take a chance, especially for something so intimate as this location.
1: Oh, I know, and I'm sure that it's hard to just you know talk about it, which is why I appreciate Mary writing this because she enjoys that she doesn't have that vaginal atrophy anymore. I don't blame her and, but wants to know, can I just keep doing this? And so, you know, depending on how, you know, her relationship with her practitioner, cause she's probably getting it as a prescription that it would just, you know, just having some guidance there, you know, following up with your practitioner as, you know, as they'd like you to on their schedule and, um, you know, having that guidance.
0: Yeah. And blood work wise for something like this really doesn't require a regular blood work to monitor because like I said, a menopausal estr- estradiol level is going to be less than 30 uh, it's, we don't even test for estriol, right? We just always test for estradiol because you said that's the most predominant form of estrogen. So we don't test for estrone, We don't test for estriol. We only test for estradiol. And in this context, now this wouldn't really be considered static dosing, even though it sort of is. She's not using it every day. She's using it twice a week, but the dose never changes. Um, you know, We don't want that ultimately the blood level. We don't want it to be really even close to a hundred, uh, right. That when you're oh, using no, we're using biased, uh, you know, or like I said, some of the commercial prescriptions, uh, those things shoot their blood work, uh, their, their estradiol, they're on blood work. It shoots their estradiol levels up sometimes pretty high. Uh, and if they're not taking any progesterone, they have a real high estradiol level. That's not a good situation. Uh, and let's just say hypothetically, there was some bleeding or spotting or a woman had been on that for a long time, unopposed estrogen for years, you know, that might not be a bad idea to get a transvaginal ultrasound just to see what's going on.
1: Yeah, you know. they're they're easy to do. There's, you know, it's just an ultrasound. There's no radiation. You can check the lining, um, you know, check to see if there's any polyps or fibroids. And usually postmenopausal, if somebody did have fibroids or polyps, they end up shrinking. So people like that. So yeah, I'd say, you know, just like I was mentioning, you know, having that guidance because the... You know, vaginal estriol not only can it help with the vaginal atrophy I had mentioned, it can kind of change a little bit of the floor of the vaginal canal and help that urethra, so it can prevent urinary tract infections. So it has a high incidence of helping to prevent urinary tract infections. It can also, you know, help um, alleviate any kind of stress incontinence, which would be you know leakage from that urethra, because when the when the estrogen drops, which naturally so, and you know, menopause, is that urethra gets a little lax, kind of like an elastic waistband, you know, like on your underpants or your bra, it gets, you know, it gets sort of loose. So you're always pulling it up. Same thing with that urethra, it gets a little loose. So you cough or you... Do some jumping jacks or something, you get a little bit of that leakage so that, you know, adding some estriol to that vaginal area, which the urethra is, you know, right. They're all the vaginal tissues, the urethra, it's all together is it, you know, it has, I think the urethra is right about 12 o'clock. If you're looking at a clock at the vaginal um, canal is it really helps tonify that urethra. So you don't, so I've, in fact, I've had some really good results with that. And like Dr. Mackey said is, Hey, start off a little lower. So I might start, Start off, you know, a couple of milligrams and, and you, you can work your way up over time. And then like Mary was saying, you know, I want to, can I stay on this forever? Is I even have some women, they get, you know, their vaginal atrophy is better. Their stress incontinence is better. They're not getting urinary tract infections or bacterial vaginosis or yeast infections. Then they notice that, oh, I'm not doing it twice a week. I'm just doing it once a week and it's fine. And I say, okay, yeah, once a week, sometimes once every other week, it depends on the person and what's going to work for them.
0: Yeah. In that context, if they're only using it, if they're using it so infrequently, that's sort of a good thing that allows them to continue to use it for a long period of time. Um, I've even had a few, uh, okay, I know you've had, you know, many of them and I've had, uh, you know, severe, or she calls it bad, but severe vaginal atrophy. I had a couple of them. Like one woman I know, she couldn't wear pants for like a number of years. She had to wear skirts all the time because even wearing jeans and sitting down was just... Terribly painful, uh, almost like you know. Uh, and again, take this with a grain of salt, but uh, I don't know what I'm talking about necessarily. But uh, uh, you know, she's, she said it was burning all the time, and it was just really uncomfortable. Even just sitting around, it was it was always present, uh, and no one really had any options for her. And within a matter of a few months, uh, with something as severe as that, so put her all the way to the end of the spectrum on severity level. It's still probably I don't remember exactly because this is a number of years ago, um, but. Uh, I remember it taking, I want to say somewhere between three to six months uh, for her, you know, for her situation to really turn around. Uh, It didn't turn around overnight. It was most women, it turns around relatively quickly within the first 30 days, within the first couple of weeks. Uh, We had to, kind of really work at it, didn't change the dose too much. um, But eventually, you know, she was, uh, you know, she was in a much better place. Uh, And then I've had a couple other ones that have had some prolapse situations. Uh, And same thing, you know, like you're talking about the urethra and the musculature and some of those things, even with a prolapse. Now, certainly not a high grade prolapse, but on the lower grade, a couple of women actually end up canceling their surgeries because they you know, it just seemed to be okay. It it, it didn't really, you know, uterine prolapse. Uh, They were actually, uh, now granted, I know there's some grading to, uh, you know, probably like one through four or one through five. Do you know any of the the prolapse grading?
1: Not off the top of my head. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I'd have to review that. But, you know, uh, ones that were fairly minor, um, but still were candidates for surgery. And they really didn't want to do the surgery because they, you know, they heard quote unquote through other people that sometimes they don't work. Uh, so we decided to try this as an option. And I was very upfront to said, to be honest, I'm not really sure what will happen. I don't know if this will actually solve the problem or not. Uh, and, uh, you know, there was two cases I know for sure that uh, they actually had a pretty good result. So, uh, I mean, it's amazing on how just one simple thing, it's kind of like, you know, granted every any doctor that does hormone replacement, estriol is kind of like their Secret weapon, right? It's like that thing that uh, you know that you you can't get everywhere. Like I said, we don't necessarily recommend getting it from over-the-counter sources, but certainly from a good compounding pharmacy, uh, it can be uh, you know pretty profound.
1: Absolutely, and I you know that's really amazing because I even have you know some patients they're in their mid fifties or even early sixties and they're single, and you know maybe it's easier because I'm a girl or whatnot. But we can have that conversation like. Okay, you met someone and they're terrified to have intercourse. They're afraid to have sex. They're like, "I haven't had sex in a while. What's it going to be like?" They said, well, "Well, you know we have a little time. We can plan, you know, with those vaginal tissues and work on some estriol. Um, actually, I have that quite often. Hey, I met somebody, and I've even had some patients that um, hadn't had intercourse for many years and couldn't even have penetration. You know, once they met somebody, they wanted to be intimate. But after, you know, like Dr. Mackey said, after a few months of doing some estrel was able to actually have penetration. So it can be profound on somebody's quality of life. But I will say, um, you know, it's like Dr. Mackey was saying, you know, talking about things down south can be a little uncomfortable. But I do think having that communication with your practitioner to be able to say, hey, you know, I met somebody, I, I'm dating, I'm thinking I want to go all the way. You know, we work with that vaginal estriol all the time.
0: Yeah, we're, uh, you were just talking about that. And she says she's uh, heard of women in their 70s. I have a patient uh, that's actually in her late 70s. Uh, and uh, she, uh, her, her, you know, a little bit of a sad story, but it had a happy ending. Her her original husband passed away. She reconnected with a an old fling from, you know, many, many years ago. Uh, and you know she even said she you know uh, nothing was gonna happen down there uh, and we started on some estriol cream and it again took a couple of months and she was all proud to tell me one day that they're you know she says we felt like you know like silly teenagers all <laughs> over again they're you know they're they're grown adults in their 70s and they so they're fumbling around like little uh, you know little teenagers but it was it was it worked. It wasn't painful. Uh, she was able to, you know, and they were able to continue to do that, which I thought was just fantastic. She was a little different, right? Some are a little bit more reserved. She had no, she had no shame. She didn't uh, bother telling me everything. You know, she's like, you're my doctor. I don't care. This is the situation. She was very,
1: and that's how it should
0: be. Yeah. yeah. Well, that doesn't always happen though. Right. You know, that doesn't always happen both on either side, the practitioner side, men get uncomfortable. Uh, the, you know, the female patient, they get uncomfortable. So then it never gets discussed and they don't realize how relatively easy of a problem it can be to, to, to solve. So again, this is uh, not just for Mary, this is for all the other women out there don't be afraid uh, maybe not you know I mean you kind of build up the courage don't be afraid to bring it up because there are as we're telling you there are some uh, very simple safe easy effective treatments for those types of things and like you said this be, goes beyond just vaginal atrophy this encompasses a whole bunch of possibilities uh, which can happen now granted she's in her mid mid to late 50s I mean this can happen for some women early early 40s even late 30s sometimes they can start having pain with intercourse kind of usually where it starts And then it progresses from there uh, where then it's almost unbearable at some point. So, you know, this is a, you know, this is a simple thing for people to keep in mind that there are some options available.
1: Yeah. And I, like I said earlier in the podcast, you're not, you're not putting it on all the time. Estriol is very gentle that for the right, you know, patient, it can definitely be very safe and then very rewarding and great for that, you know, that quality of life.
0: Yeah, but uh, just as a way to close and just to kind of keep in mind, if you are concerned, then you know the way to handle that, uh, one of two things. Either go on some oral progesterone, that inhibits the growth of the lining, so it sort of eliminates some of that potential risk, or you just do, I don't think you need to do a, an annual transvaginal ultrasound. If you've been on it for, let's say, six months to a year, you have an ultrasound, your uterine lining is less than six millimeters, Maybe you do a second one to see if it changes and then you're pretty good after that, especially if you've been on it consistently twice a week for a while. If there was going to be a problem, it was going to happen relatively early. It's going to happen within the, the first you know couple of weeks to a couple of months. It's not going to accumulate over a period of years and years and years, it's going to happen relatively right away. Um, but as you said, which is why we use estriol is because it's just a relatively, I don't want to say weak hormone, but weak enough that it doesn't cause any quote unquote complications.
1: Nope, exactly. No, I, so, um, but granted if you're working with a good practitioner, they'll tell you exactly, you know, Hey, we've got to do an ultrasound super easy. Let's check this, let's check that. So, um, I do think estriol can make a huge, huge difference in, you know, difference in people's lives, and it's interesting because it's just not really talked about. <laughs>
0: yeah, not, not really. Uh, it sort of just kind of goes unspoken on both sides. Uh, so hopefully, this was helpful. It gives uh, you know um, some people some things to investigate or uh, consider. Uh, do you have anything else to add? Or are we good on this one? I think we're good. Okay. Until next time, I'm Dr. Mackey,
1: and I'm Dr. Davidson.
0: Take care. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the Progress Your Health podcast. If you like what you've heard on this podcast, please give us a positive review on iTunes. This allows us to spread our message, grow our audience, and help more people around the world. For more information, visit our website at ProgressYourHealth.com.